0: Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Elise. Host of Crackin' One Open with Mike and Elise. A podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. Every Friday, we choose a new craft beer from a different brewery and talk about the history of the beer, what's in it, how it was made, the history of the brewery, along with tasting notes and more fun facts. After that, come chill with us as we bring you the latest in pop culture news and reviews. So check out Crackin' One Open, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family.
1: Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week, we review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course, our fellow podcasters. Check us out on the web at nomcastpod.com. Follow us on the socials at nomcastpod. And most importantly, listen and subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts. Hit that beat one time. Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you.
0: Boom! I guess I like sports movies.
1: <laughs> yeah, like real creepy. Like, Did you notice him with his pants down? Oh,
0: with his pants down? Yeah. Oh, I just
1: noticed somebody was there. Yeah. No, his, his pants are down. You thinking it's And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> I want to do the secret cabal stuff. I don't want to just go oh, drink. Still, you still got to wear a cloak and stuff. No, I no, think no. I, just, want the, I, know. I want the real cabal stuff. Like, oh, I, I want sickness. the stuff for controlling the world. I want the signature. Right? You know what?
0: Screw that. Hi, I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that for a variety of reasons was forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or maybe don't love about it, but we always think it's worth a revisit. If you enjoy our podcast, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm excited about these new microphones. Yeah, we got new mics, new mics, new mics. I'm not- sitting back,
1: relaxing. I know. I'm still sitting forward. I don't know why. <laughs> but yeah, now we can move. Our- I got moving the arm. No one can hear it. Uh, you can't hear that. new arms, new mics. That's right. I mean, they might have heard that because you shook the table, but Dang who knows? It, my bad. So <laughs> that was not the mic. That was the table. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid table. Sorry. So, well, it's a good way to end our season seven, I guess. That's right. But you know, what's another good way to end our season seven. With walkie-talkie watches? Well, Oh, I didn't think of that. <laughs> we do have walkie-talkie <laughs> we watches, Butler. Yeah, I was We're thinking commercial. Oh, <laughs> nice, nice. Hard-boiled detective Dick Tracy is searching for evidence that proves Alphonse Big Boy Caprice is the city's most dangerous crime boss. He may have found the key to unraveling the crime lord's illegal empire in Breathless Mahoney, an enigmatic barroom singer who has witnessed some of Caprice's crimes firsthand. However, she seems more set on stealing Dick away from his girlfriend, Tess, than helping him solve the case of his career. We are doing Dick Tracy, the 1990 movie. Dick Tracy, not the 60s and 40s and 50s and all those older films. Uh, Dick Tracy came out on June 15th, 1990. It was a Friday Had a runtime of 105 minutes. Rated PG. Production budget of forty-seven million dollars. Opening weekend, it did twenty-two million domestic, one hundred and three, and worldwide one sixty-two. Big time hit. Production company was Touchstone Pictures, Silver Screen Partners Four, and Mulholland Productions. I think Mulholland is Beatty. I'm not sure. And distributed by Buena Vista Pictures, which is obviously Disney. So, no, I said this came out on the fifteenth. Butler, this should have been saved for Forgotten Summer, but we got a quite a big uh, summer slate here. So, the fifteenth of June, it came up against Gremlins Two: The New Batch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's not terrible. It's it really puts Gremlins 1 to shame. Oh, stop. Well, the, I, I don't think it was too terrible where we couldn't see a Gremlins 3.
0: No, not at all. No, yeah.
1: Then you also had The Adventures of Milo and Otis, which I, I know I saw, but I can't remember.
0: Yeah, where 9,000 cats and 3,000 dogs were killed
1: making the movie. <laughs> uh, and? <laughs> this was the 90s. Or it was actually 89, right? Uh, June 22nd, which was the week after you had RoboCop 2 and Betsy's Wedding. Have you ever seen Betsy's Wedding? Nope. That's actually a very good movie. You should... Uh, that might be a movie for us. I'm not sure yet. I think it is. I didn't realize it was a summer movie. Betsy's but, uh, Wedding? Yeah, it's with Alan Alda. He's trying to put it. I want to say Molly Ringwald's his daughter, but that might be wrong. He's trying to put her marriage. They're having like a big wedding. And like it's, it's just like one disaster after the other. It's I it's never it, even heard of it's it. It's good. Yeah, I like then, Alan Alda. <laughs> <laughs> the week before, which was the 8th of June, you had also another 48 Hours, which is the sequel to 48 Hours starring Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you also had here, because I wanted to just kind of give you an idea of what this summer was like. So on the 15th, you had, like I said, Dick Tracy. But on the 1st, the start off June, you had Total Recall, which I saw opening night at Chokis Milford with my cousin. I don't know, don't Wasn't know that, that the first film you worked? No, the, the movie? first movie I worked was the double feature. It was a double feature. It came out, I don't know if it was the same day, but it was In the Line of Fire, An Interview with a Vampire. It was,
0: oh, okay. it was that weekend. And for some it, reason, I always was, think you started Total Recall no, Week. I
1: started Mother's Day. It was a Mother's Day weekend. Okay. That's when I started. And it was busy. I saw this movie opening night and it was like super packed. I've told this story about how uh, the first scene when he kills all those four guys, he's mm-hmm. like, "Get a lab, Quaid, and he kills them all. Everyone in the theater was like cheering and hollering. It was awesome. <laughs> so if you also had on the 29th, the end of the month of June, you had Days of Thunder, which was the big July 4th movie at the time. And Ghost Dad, but that movie's terrible. So, like that. but <laughs> you, then you also had a week after that, and first week of July you had Die Hard Two, so you got a lot of big films: Total Recall, another Forty Eight Hours. I guess Gremlins Two doesn't count for Butler, RoboCop Two. Days of Fun That's uh, still a Die big Hard film, 2. but yeah, but yeah, but with the movies it's probably a it's a big summer. All right, so Dick Tracy was directed by Warren Beatty. I don't know if you are aware of this, but he's also in the movie. <laughs> what? Who does he play? He plays. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm going to go through because we haven't talked about Warren Beatty in, in quite some time. Oh. Have we talked about it? No, him? we've never talked about it. Because
0: most him. of his movies aren't that forgotten. So.
1: Well, I am to go back to him uh, in terms of his accolades. But right. So right now it's directed by Warren Beatty, written by Jim Cash and Jack Epps Jr. They are a duo, writing duo. They have done Top Gun, The Secret of My Success, Turner and Hooch, Anaconda, Legal Eagles, and The Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas. This is based on the comic strip by Chester Gould. Uh, it's a cinematography by Vittorio Storaro. Mm-hmm. I think I got that right. You did get that right. He won an Oscar for The Last Emperor, Reds, and Apocalypse Now. Composer Danny Elfman, who I am, a big Danny Elfman guy. He has done Batman, The Frighteners, uh, Men in Black, Justice League, and basically everything Tim Burton does. Uh, Also, this was produced by Warren Beatty, amongst other people. Edited by Richard Marks, not the singer, but Richard Marks, the editor. He (laughs) is nominated for an Oscar for Apocalypse Now. Terms of Endearment and Broadcast News, as well as As Good As It Gets, so big time editor. This also had an uncredited rewrite by Bo Goldman. I wouldn't say Beatty brought him in, and he has won the Oscar for writing for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Melvin and Howard, and he was also nominated for Sen of a Woman. So Warren Beatty plays Dick Tracy. Again, I'll go back to Warren Beatty in a second. Charlie Corsmo as The Kid. Apparently, we're doing a Corsmo double feature, because last week we did What About Bob? That's right, and he was in that. He's also in Hook, which is Butler's favorite movie, and Can't Hardly Wait. Glenn Headley as Tess Trueheart. She was in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Mr. Holland's Opus, and Don John. Seymour Castle, excuse me, Seymour Castle as Sam Ketchum. He's in Tin Men, Indecent Proposal, Rushmore, and the World Tenenbaums. He was in a lot of uh, Wes Anderson films towards the end. He passed away two years ago. Charles Durning plays Chief Brandon. He's in The Hudsucker Proxy, which I love. Oh, Brother, Where Aren't which I also love. Tootsie, he won an Oscar for To Be or Not To Be and Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. And then Madonna's in this movie. She plays Breathless Mahoney. She's in *A League of Her Own*, *A *Body of Evidence*, oh, *Body of Evidence*, and Four Rooms*. You ever see *Body of Evidence*? No, I know of it, but I've never seen it's it. It's basically her and Willem Dafoe doing like you know sex things to each other and like you know pouring pouring uh, candle wax on themselves and all that fun stuff. Ooh, it's that's not as exciting. <laughs> I mean, when I watched it, I was like, oh, hell, she's gonna get nude." Yeah, you know, whatever.
0: And then it's all just Dafoe dong. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> not in that movie, but yes. Uh, what did you see that movie?
0: I don't know. Hmm.
1: I don't know why I care. <laughs> so Al Pacino as Big Boy Caprice. He was nominated. He won the Oscar, excuse me, for Scent of Woman. He's also in Heat and then Jack and Jill. Now, say what you want about Adam Sandler's Jack and Jill. But I'm going to tell you right now, Pacino is funny in that movie. Did you see that movie? No, it looked awful. But, okay, but there's a scene in that movie where he's on stage doing Richard Third, and... Uh, Bruce Jenner's in it. When he was Bruce Jenner, now she is Caitlyn Jenner. Right. But he's on there. And, and so he takes a phone call and everyone's like, boo. And he starts talking to the phone call and, and Jenner's like, oh, do you want me to say this? No one's here to see you. No one's here to see you. They're here to see me. They're here to see me. And then he <laughs> starts yelling at the phone. People think it's part of the act. And she's like,
0: yeah. yeah it, I don't know. He's funny. Pacino's very funny. in the movie. I think Pacino, Pacino picks some weird movies, but he's always good in anything. He he is. And he gives his all to any role. Well, he's
1: not. He was nominated for an Oscar for this movie, which is. Unbelievable, but he's the best thing about this movie. He's awesome in this yeah, movie. <laughs> William Forsyth as Flat Top. He's in The Rock, Virtuosity, and Raising Arizona. Edo Ross as Itchy. He's the, from the Cotton Club. Lethal Weapon and Full Metal Jacket. You had Manny Patinkin in here. As he is in Lethal Weapon.
0: Yeah. I was like, I know I've seen this guy in something. You didn't know who he was? I tried not to look him up because I figured you were going to tell me. I looked up everybody else but him. Okay.
1: Manny <laughs> Patinkin <laughs> as 88 Keys from The Princess Bride. He's in the TV show Homeland and the movie Alien Nation. Paul, ooh, excuse me, Paul Servino has lips manless. He's from Goodfellas, The Rocketeer, Nixing, Cruising. I'm sure everyone knows this. James Tolkien has numbers from the Masters of the Universe. <laughs> <laughs> he's the, uh, he Strick, what's the name of his character?
0: Strickwell? Strickland? Nope. In Back the Future. Oh, in Back to the Future. Yeah, Strickland. Strickland. Back, yeah.
1: And he's also in the TV show Nero Wolf, which I always try to let everyone know I, I like that movie. <laughs> Dustin Hoffman in a small role as Mumbles. He's won the Oscar for Rain Man at Kramer vs. Kramer. He's also nominated for Wag the Dog, Tootsie, Lenny, Midnight Cowboy, and
0: The Graduate. Big boy. Big boy. Big boy. Big boy. Big boy. Big Big boy. Bir-
1: James Spaldoni, und- who has no makeup on whatsoever, so I'm wondering if they asked him to put makeup on He's like,
0: screw you. Uh, he's got that pencil mustache. He's <laughs> obviously we know Khan
1: from we just did a movie a few weeks ago, 10 weeks ago, Thief, mm-hmm. which we both love. He's also obviously in The Godfather and then a favorite of mine, honeymoon in Vegas. Dick Van Dyke is D.A. Fletcher uh, from Mary Poppins. Both of them. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. The Dick Van Dyke show. And he's also from Diagnosis Murder for all those uh, older people out there older fans. If you like Diagnosis Murder. And then I didn't realize that these two were in this movie. But you had Kathy Bates was mm-hmm. in this film and Katherine O'Hara. Is in this film, and I did not know that. And I'm and the Kathy Bates one, I had to go back. I was like, What? I had to look back and go, Oh my God, that is her. So,
0: yeah, I thought the same thing. I did the same thing when I was watching the credits. I was like, No way. Yeah. So now I promise to talk about Warren Beatty. So here we go. Whoa, whoa hold on, hold on. Oh, also, Colm is in this, uh, I mean, and I got to like point in out my background. He's a cop. Barely see Chief him. O'Brien from uh, Star Trek: Next Generation, Deep Space Nine. You barely see him.
1: I saw him quickly, and I'm just like, oh. Listen, you never see him again. It's
0: been like 12 episodes since I pointed a Star Trek reference out, true. so I had this to. Is true. Well, I had to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Warren Beatty. Just to give you an idea, he does a lot of stuff. He's also, he's been nominated for 14 Academy Awards. So for writing, he was nominated for Bullworth, Reds, and Shampoo. You ever see Shampoo? Mm, Do you know what it's about? uh, I don't think so. Okay. It's a very good movie. When I remember watching Shampoo, I remember seeing the poster for him, like, oh, Shampoo. And you think it's, he's a hairdresser. And you think that, what the heck is this movie about? But it's actually more, it's a political movie. And it's actually really good. It's very good. Uh, he's also won. He also was nominated for a best adapted screenplay for Heaven Can Wait. He won the Oscar for directing for Reds, and he was nominated for Heaven Can Wait. He was nominated for acting for Bugsy, Reds, Heaven Can Wait, and Bonnie and Clyde. And he he was also not best. Those were also best picture nominations. Uh, those same four movies, and he was nominated for that. So that's fourteen Academy Awards. He's won. He's technically won two. One is the one for Reds for directing, but he also had a Thalberg Award, which is like an overall achievement. Award. Right. So um, Warren Beatty doesn't direct a lot like he maybe has maybe seven or eight movies that he's done. I probably said them all here. But when he does something, it's like they're well received. But the actors don't like work. <laughs> no, absolutely. no, I know He's a bit he's a bit tough. So real quickly, this movie was nominated for seven Academy Awards. It has three wins. It won for best makeup and won for best art direction and set direction and one for Best Music, the original song. So, which makes sense, because that's probably the things that stand out the most in this movie. It was mm-hmm. not, the other nominations were a supporting actor for Pacino, as we said, who, Pacino has supporting actor nods out the butt uh, for Irishman, Glengarry Glen Ross, and Justice for All, Dog Day Afternoon, both Godfathers, Serpico, uh, The Man's on Fire. And then, <laughs> <laughs> it was also a nine-minute theater Best Cinematography, Best Sound, and Best Costume Design. So, this movie was not ignored critically, but it perhaps was ignored I guess, what's the word I want
0: to look for? Popular uh, uh, through the audience? Historically, maybe? Yeah. Like it, it didn't, it was hot and then it, the flame just puffed out real quick. Right, right. So, like it's not like it didn't make a ton of money. It did. It just made its ton of money and then disappeared.
1: A couple of things that stand out for me uh, is the score. I always remember the Danielle from the score because I used to have the two. I still have them. The two CDs that Danny Elfman used to put out, there used to be two CDs where it would just be a compilation of Elfman's work, Mm -hmm. like Dark Man, like old stuff. And then uh, this was on one of them. So I always remember the song because it's always like, it's like track three or two or something like that. And I, so I always remember the score and I love Danny Elfman's score work. I, I I don't know why. I just always dig what he does. Obviously I thought that the look of his film was almost a
0: precursor to Sin City. I thought that exact same thing while I was yeah. watching it this time. Yeah. Cause like, I haven't seen it since I was a kid, this movie. So mm-hmm. like, I didn't, I, I didn't
1: realize like that was so prevalent that backdrop. I, I know they're paintings and, 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 you know, I know that you only use, I think you use six colors, six of the colors from eight colors, eight colors Well, black. I'm not
0: counting black. Okay. Color. Then six colors. Yes. <laughs> the only, only the colors that appeared in the original strips.
1: Red, blue, yellow, green, orange, and purple. And they're at the same level of saturation. They never shade them. They never yeah. fade them. To the point where like one time they're in a car and there's green through the window. And I'm like, is that the green screen? Did I, am I? Oh, when he leaves his apartment yeah. and he's in the hallway. Yeah. I thought the same thing. Yeah. So that was like that idea. Like I appreciate, I can appreciate that. Like you tried something, you went for it. You know, I mean, there's a couple of things. There's watching this movie. I did have some, some issues, but just some things popped up that I don't think I've ever noticed before and we can get into it a little bit. Okay. I'm curious because obviously I, I was 15 when this came
0: out. Well, how many times have you seen Dick Tracy also? I
1: I want to say, I don't, I don't remember if I saw it in the theater. I don't think I did, but I've seen it more than once. Okay. Okay. So I, but I have not seen it in quite some time. Okay. I mean, it's, it's safe to say I have not seen it this century. Let's put it that way. Okay. Um, So it's been a while. Uh, there's, there's some things that really stood out to me that I was, I questioned. I was like, what is, what is this? Like, for instance, the beginning, you first see Dick Tracy and it's night. And then the next time you see him, it's the, day. And this is the same scene. It's the day. Then it's the night. Then it's, the, he goes to the operas at night. He comes, the guys are inside the, they're playing cards. It's the day. It's like, I don't know what was happening in the movie. It was like going back and forth. Cause then I initially thought well, maybe it's early evening. No, wait, they're at night. No, wait, they're the day. No, what's happening? So some stuff there was kind of, it was almost like it was just pieced together, thrown together. Like a montage, yeah. I did read that there is a longer cut. I read that as well, yeah. Two hours and 15 minutes, and they made him cut, what? He said 45 minutes, but that's not. The
0: movie's an hour and 45 minutes. So cut a half hour out. They made him cut down. What's interesting is from, I don't know if you read the same note when it was the extended edition, it still exists somewhere. I looked. For, I tried to see if I could find it somewhere. Well, I think by it still exists means they didn't destroy the film. Yeah, so let's go.
1: Put it out. Exactly. I'd, I'd like to see, because that's my other note, is it doesn't make any sense. The story makes zero sense in terms of motivations, in terms of what people are trying to do, what dictra- it, it,
0: it. I don't think I it find makes a- no sense. I think it's very straightforward in its simplicity, and that kind of... The motivations maybe aren't are very skin, skin deep. Okay. I think that that also is because it's a comic book, like it's a comic strip. Right. So I I would wonder what they cut out of that half hour. It's like, I get the story. I get what big boy's trying to do. I get what breathless is. uh, Breathless motivation is kind of. She's,
1: you find out that she's, they call her no face in here, but she's actually the blank from the, from the strip. From the blank. Yeah. Right.
0: So, like, you don't get a lot of motivation there. And maybe that half hour has more of that. I don't know. Because I, I, her motivation is
1: in the beginning. I don't know. So, in the beginning of the movie, the first time you see No Face, she's giving money to, or he's giving money to, 88 Keys to tell Big Boy to do something. I can't to tell Big on.
0: Boy that for $10,000. She can get rid of Dick Tracy. The blank will get rid of Dick Tracy. Which makes
1: no sense. Why? Because at that point, Dick Tracy hasn't spurned her. Dick Tracy. She still she likes Dick Tracy, and she's trying to seduce him.
0: So why is all of a sudden she's gonna turn around and? Oh, I think get the rid whole the whole plan the whole time is to get Dick Tracy on her side, not to kill him, but to sabotage him as a cop, and ruin his relationships, and then use that to kill Big Boy yeah, so and you, take over Big Boy. That's job. a
1: lot of inference. I didn't get that because oh, I okay. just get like I want you, you don't want me. Okay, I'm gonna kill him. I'm going to get rid of Tess, but I want him, but I don't, but I don't want him. I tried. I tried Dick and then I die. Eh, Yes. Like I've always felt that Madonna does not fit in this movie in terms of the feel of it and the style of it. She looks great. She sounds great. She's a good part of the movie. I'm not, her in the movie is, is fine. Mm -hmm. I just didn't think she fit with the movie.
0: Yeah. I feel like they wanted a femme fatale because it's such a classic stereotype of, of Noirs and Dick Tracy. Well, he's also dating her during this time. Right. So, you know. Well, gonna- along with a million other actors. That, that was one of his first notes on IMDb is just, here's a list of all the actresses he went out with. And a it's lot. like a hundred actresses. I'm like, damn. <laughs> Good for you, dude. Uh, but I feel like they just wanted a femme fatale in the role to put her in there. Okay. But that his relationship with Tess is so much stronger than the will they, won't they with Madonna that it's just like he's he's not. He's with Tess,
1: but it doesn't see that that will they won't they with Madonna with Breathless? Excuse me, is is hurts his, his how we perceive him with Tess? Like he can't even tell Tess he loves her, but you but know his, what I mean? That's but his, his thing. Yeah, I don't know. I, the, the whole the whole thing with him and and the women with Tess and, and Breathless. No, you didn't like the Tess stuff at all. No, I just. It was really tough to figure out what he was trying to do in order to make me relate to the character. Let's put it that way. Like, there was stuff that he was doing that I just didn't understand. And in terms of, like, I want to root for Dick Tracy. And I do root for Dick Tracy, although he we will get into this. He breaks a lot of laws, but he I, does. I, I was surprised. I, yeah. So I do want to root for him, but it's very difficult. Like, I mean, I can understand it through the process of the movie. He's having a tough time really revealing his true feelings to Tess, but he never does it. Then he just tosses her the ring, and she, and it's like
0: oh, I think because they kind of come to another... it's like a it's unspoken a cool, understanding. It's
1: a cool moment, but I don't know if it necessarily is a cool moment for the character in and of itself.
0: Oh, I, I see. I disagree. I really like that part. I like that it's bookended with the same conversation with the exact same dialogue. Uh, I thought that was really really nice, and I thought it was like a little sweet moment sure. uh, between both characters because they're both. So similar uh, in in their understanding of each other and what they want. But then why does she leave him? Because she sees him kissing breathless. Oh, that's true. And then she kind of realizes that the job's more important. He's willing to kiss another girl and ruin their <laughs> Come relationship. Come on! To, you're justifying to, yeah. him cheating? No. But you're justifying... You just. I'm trying to figure out why she... You asked me why she left. She left because she saw, she him, saw him kissing him do that woman. And realized yeah. that all right, he's married to the job. And she's part of the job.
1: But you're saying that he kissed breathless because that's part of the job. No, that's what she thinks. That's ridiculous to think that. That's not okay. It's a comic book movie, dude. Oh, dude, it's a movie. It's still, I still gotta, <laughs> I still have to relate to the characters. You're telling me that that she's always, she's like he's oh, It's yeah, clearly the job he's have because to sleep with women. So I guess that's okay. That's the gig. That's well, I know what you're saying, but yeah. I, that's, I'm just arguing that other side.
0: Well, so she kissed him. But he should have broken the kiss, but for All sure. Right, come <laughs> on. Well, I'll, this is something
1: else I noticed in this movie. Could you talk about that scene where they bookend? So he's he's having the conversation while they're eating soup, or uh, whatever. chili. Chili. Whatever. He's really big into there's chili. A, there's a couple <laughs> things. There's a couple <laughs> scenes of this when he's eating chili. He chews with his mouth open. Like he absolutely chews with his mouth open.
0: I didn't really notice yeah, that. I'm
1: watching it, going, gross. Close your mouth. Come on. Breaks the rule. Breaks the law. Let's talk about Dick Tracy breaking the laws here. Let's talk about how he's clearly torturing suspects, which he can't. <laughs> I could put the lights on you. I mean, she's got a great line in the movie. There's a great line where he's like, I can sweat you under the lights. It's legal. And she's like, I sweat better in the dark. That's a great line. But it, 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 he's really like, he really goes over the line a bunch of different times.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, where are the fingerprints on the walnuts? We're getting big boy anyway. Yeah. It's not going to stick. <laughs> Just all the all these things. He's just like the wiretapping with yep. no with no warrant and stuff yep. like that. Yep. He's really big on he's so he's so high on himself and knowing that he's gonna catch him and win in the end that he's willing to do all this stuff beforehand because he knows he'll get the evidence he needs later. He gets
1: arrested, but his boys are just like, Where are we going? It's a long drive to the prison. It's like, uh, we're okay with this. <laughs> just, and speaking of that, like the back to business montage when they arrest Tracy. And she's singing "Back in Business."
0: Oh, and they're yeah. making all the money, right, dude, and yeah. they're showing
1: all the montage. They kill a cop in that montage. They actually, they absolutely shoot a cop dead. And it was just like, nah, right. oh, do
0: they? Yes, I know they beat up a bunch of store they beat owners, up, but there's a
1: shot. There's a shot where just, he, he a shoots a cop, and he falls down and he hits. I think he knocks over the apples or something like that. Okay, but they shoot him. It's like he's dead. Well, uh, uh, what are, the, are we okay with this? It, yeah.
0: I, you're not supposed to be okay with Big Boy making the money. He's just making the money. I just, then I mean, cops don't really, don't really do anything unless Tracy tells him. And he's belligerent to these people. He's oh, belligerent man. to his colleagues. They do, they just ask, they're like little puppies to him, man. <sighs> what are we doing, Tracy? What are we doing? What are we doing? Even his chief is like, well, what are we doing, Tracy? Yeah. Oh, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Yeah. And like when even he yells at Mike, are put putting this chili, Mike, rubber?
1: It's like, Jesus. And Mike's like, I don't know why I even bothered, Tracy. It's like, uh, kick him out.
0: <laughs> I like that's like old school kind of dialogue I though, which you. I really I like got you.
1: that's the other thing too I have here in my note is Dick Tracy denying civil liberties you want your phone call
0: and then he rips the phone wire oh. I'm like um <laughs> he gets his phone call Dick <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice that the movie has a ton of split diopters? I, you know what, I did. I think I did, but I just didn't write them down. But go ahead, hit me. Split with diopter it. when he looks at his watch in the beginning. Split I like, diopter. I like that. I've trained you to look for the split <laughs> diopters. But go ahead. All right. Split diopter when uh, he's holding the walnuts and looking at them, and they tell him that there's no fingerprints on the walnut. Gotcha. Split diopter when the kid's looking at the wallet. Yep. Okay. Yep. Why don't you let everybody
1: know what a split diopter is? I'll
0: what? tell them when I'm done listing them. Ooh. Split diopter when the orphanage lady comes to take the kid, and he's looking at the door. Yep. Split diopter with mumbles in the recording when he's listening to the recording going. Yep. And that's what I got. I got four split diopters listed, but I think there were five. What are they? What is, what is so that? So split diopter is when you have two things in focus, one in the background and one in the foreground. And you have to split the image and put them together, a which usually creates times, a yeah. uh, kind of a ripple effect in the center of the screen.
1: Yeah. You're, you're, you're merging two copies of the film. You're merging two different shots. And that's why you have that split
0: diopter. Split diopter when the lilies are putting out the poison and Dick Tracy goes to sleep. That was the other one.
1: Nice. Nice.
0: I thought it was an interesting, because most directors use it maybe once. Yeah. And it's like a blink and you miss it kind of thing. But Warren Beatty seems to really like the split diopter, or at least in this movie. I don't know if, I haven't watched enough, I think, movies from the 30s and 40s to know if that was something so common that he was like, we really got to put that in there.
1: Like have the two 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 shots in frame? I don't know. That's, inter- that's
0: interesting to look up the history of the split doctor technique. He uses a bunch of fades and stuff, too, that are used in like 1930s movies. Yeah. So I, I think that's There's
1: cool. definitely a lot of style in this movie. He didn't want to direct this movie. He had a bunch of people
0: that were going to direct this movie. Alex yeah.
1: Scorsese was going to do it, but then backed out. John Landis was going to direct this movie, but he couldn't because-
0: he killed three people. Well, the movie
1: before, <laughs> which was the Twilight Zone, the movie, he had obviously the unfortunate incident where Vic Morrow died with the two kids. There's an accident and they 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 were killed on set. And he was dealing with the aftermath of that. And I don't think at the time he was charged with manslaughter, but he inevitably was charged with manslaughter after that. But he was going to direct this movie and Clint Eastwood was going to be the the main guy. And then so I don't know if Beatty was even going to be part of it in terms of when Landis was directing it, but then it came to Beatty and he was like, I'll do it, but I want, I'm going to play Dick Tracy. And they, were and like, they couldn't five. find one. Yeah. Yeah.
0: They wanted a bunch of people to play Dick yeah, Tracy, they Harrison Ford. Um, just so many people. Well, you had, this- I thought Robert De Niro, that would have been interesting. Yeah. I don't know if that, I would have liked no. that.
1: Uh, this movie was originally going, this was from the eighties. Like they, there was Tom Mankiewicz was going to write this script and he had pitched the idea to Chester Gould, who's like we said, was the creator and he, and he was all on board, but I guess the studio didn't want to do it and it kind of fell apart.
0: Well, I guess he liked the idea of who the villain would be, but he kept rejecting the script overall because he was so picky. Yeah. And so when he finally passed and his family had the, the rights to it, the estate was a little more malleable in terms of how to work and stuff like that. Right. Right. I mean, most of these characters with the exception of big boy are pretty much straight out of the comic strip
1: well the look
0: the look of them right yeah
1: big boys look as he's bald in the comic
0: yeah al pacino chose his own design for it and worked with his own makeup artist to make his prosthetics
1: yeah i guess that makeup artist went on to become his makeup artist for the rest of his life his
0: personal yeah Yeah, his personal one
1: he still does it probably um so yeah so i thought that was that was interesting too uh there yeah the villains and all these villains in the movie are from the comic strip except three and that's numbers, DeSanto, and Louis the Louse were all created for the movie, so they were those. They were not in the comic strip, and it, which is pretty impressive. And I think Beatty purposely—well, I don't think I read it. Ba- Beatty purposely put all the villains in the movie because he wanted to not save them for a quote-unquote a sequel. He, he didn't think that there was going to be a sequel, so he wanted to use them all now. Right. So uh, yeah. So that's why. And this is the highest-grossing film of Warren Beatty's. Career,
0: it's the most accessible, right? Of his career for the most part.
1: Uh well,
0: I mean, I like I said, there's I, there's he's he, you you've watched a lot of his movies, have you? I have watched a decent amount. Yeah. Well, they're mostly like this is the only one like you can watch as like a kid or you teenager. Watched right? I like yeah. I love Bullworth, well, Yeah,
1: that's more recent, but like you should. But
0: that's political. That's still kind of an so adult. All his film. movies yeah. are like that. Exactly. Yeah. So this is more accessible. This is just a blockbuster popcorn. I got gotcha, you.
1: I got you. But you should. He's got his own style, and I know that he's difficult to work with in terms of.
0: Yeah, he wanted uh, directing Gene Hackman to be in this movie again, and Gene Hackman said, "Not after Reds." He goes, "I love you, uh, but I can't. I can't do it again." Yeah, because he would do, and when he was directing Reds, he would do a hundred takes. Oh, well,
1: he's like well Kubrick or like uh, Fincher,
0: a million like something like hundreds of miles worth of film came back for that film. I was reading and Jack Nicholson got to the point where he was so frustrated filming Reds. He said, just tell me what you want and I'll fucking do it. <laughs> and the entire the entire crew, I guess, started applauding when he said that because they're just so sick of uh, his directing style. Yeah. That's- but we we talk about that a lot, like that's a little excessive when he gets a hundred takes. It's
1: not knowing what you want or it's not being confident in knowing what you want. Well, I mean, he's Warren Beatty. I'm not going to really go against what Warren Beatty wants to do because he's a proven talent. Oh, the films are awesome. Yeah. Right. Cooper's a proven talent. Like, you know, I know that Fincher has a certain philosophy where he gets to a point where the actor's not acting. He wants real life. I get that. You know, I understand that, but like you're still making movies and telling stories. It's it's, so it's, there's nothing. I mean, you're going to tell me that like, Al Pacino is Big Boy Caprice. That needs to be something that's realistic. And it's,
0: it's Al Pacino screaming and yelling. And and he got, you know- well, this I mean? is Al Pacino. It is, this is like beside- uh, a <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is him. If you thought when you watch Devil's Advocate uh, that that's him at his most Pacino- Oh no. You have not seen him at his most Pacino until you see Big Boy where every line is a Pacino line.
1: <laughs> I, li- I can't stop laughing when- they're doing the number when he gets the club from Ripsy, and he's, <laughs> he's like dancing, dancing with, with them. and I'm like,
0: uh, no, terrible, wrong, wrong. Do it again. You don't know this, <laughs> and you go down. <laughs> look, I broke his finger. You think I broke his? Finger? No, look, he's playing better than ever, better than ever. <laughs> I love that he quotes like all these famous political, like American, like presidents. Yeah, <laughs> Benjamin Franklin, yeah. Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> I have an idea. I have an idea. Hold, wait, wait. Idea's coming. The idea's coming. The idea's coming. The idea's coming. And it's gone.
1: At the end of the movie, he's running to the drawbridge and he's like, we're going to go hide out in the city. (laughs) We're going to jump. They're never going to find us. We're going to hide out in the city. And I'm thinking, aren't you in the city? Where are you?
0: They're like in the outskirts, I guess. Yeah. Which you don't really get the idea that they never established that.
1: Yeah. Warren Beatty still talks about doing a sequel. Still. like, Because this movie has been locked in real brief, if I can get to it real briefly. Art Linson and Floyd Mert. Murtrex or Muttrex or whatever, Mutrix, whatever. They were co-producers and they were responsible. They purchased the movie, the rights to the movie first. Mm-hmm. And, and then, because obviously what ends up happening is that they couldn't get the movie made. And then it basically, and Warren Beatty took it over. And after the movie came out, they launched a lawsuit against Warren Beatty. And they were saying that they were owed profit participation from the film. That lawsuit prevented Beatty from producing another movie for two years. But that was eventually settled out of court. And then there was issues where Warren Beatty was suing Tribune Media or somebody like that because they were withholding money or there was some kind of there was some kind of issue. This still is going on as of 2017. It is still going. I don't know if they've settled it, but this was going on throughout the last 20 years of just lawsuits and Beatty going after them. And, And he was quoted in 2017 as saying that he
0: still is interested in doing a sequel, but it's like, you're not in
1: it. You can't be in it. It's
0: 81 years old. Yeah.
1: I mean, you have to recast. Did you
0: watch the Leonard Malton interview he did? No. As Dick Tracy?
1: Oh my God, no. I heard that he did that to keep the rights of Dick Tracy though. Oh, okay. So I heard that he, I don't know if it's that or a short. He had to do, he did something
0: to retain the rights of Dick Tracy, which is why he probably did that. It's a short where he's playing Dick Tracy, talking to Leonard Malton about the history of his character. That's why
1: then, because he he had, he did that for that reason, but I
0: did not see that. <laughs> I I skimmed through it. I've seen two performances on the Oscars, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wouldn't mind seeing again. Not a sequel, but like uh, a sequel. I mean, obviously, like you said, he's not playing the character. I think they could do. I think they should just do it again, for sure. Yeah, I, I think what I really like this when we talked about it being Sin City is, I think I prefer the style here than Sin City, because Sin City really. And this is just the nature of the beast at this point. Overutilized CG in a lot of ways for its sets and some of its coloring and all that. I really respect the use of color in this film, coloring all the props and stuff like that. Even though at some point it was a little weird and janky, but I feel like you could do it better today. So you want,
1: so in Sin City, you want more tangible stuff on screen rather than less of the animated.
0: It's so easy. It's so easy to tell that each shot is in front of like a 10 foot green screen in Sin City. Right. And in Dick Tracy, it's like they colored this whole massive studio set. Yeah. You know, blocks and blocks of set and all the indoor and outdoor locations and all the props and food. It's really impressive what they managed to do. And I'm far more impressed with that than the CG utilization in Sin City, although Sin City also used a bunch of makeup effects. This movie takes place since it is what, 2003,
1: 2004 probably? Early 2000s, yeah.
0: So like 15 years before that, Dick Tracy is, that makeup, the makeup effects in Dick Tracy are still impressive.
1: Oh, they're good for 90s. I I think they would need to be,
0: like Prune Face needs to be... Prune face is a little plain and uh, forehead or brows flat top or brows brows. Okay. I thought flat top was pretty good. I like flat top. The guy, so little face in the beginning. Little face is too much.
1: <laughs> That's a kid. So his they had to make his face. Obviously, he has his small face but a big head. Right. They had to actually put a kid's face in there, and the background, and then they dubbed over the voice, and then the background is a is a is an adult actor when you don't see his face. But yeah, they had to do that for him. It reminded me of. Big trouble in Little China when he blows up at the end. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Does that which is funny for that movie because it's shocky. Right. Uh, I think while the effects are good, I think they kind of pull me out a little bit. And I think if you're gonna do it now, they need to be a little more subtle? Yeah, they need to be less so overtly oh, I have a rubber mask on my face, kind of thing. I keep thinking of prune face. That's what I keep thinking of. Because prune face they actually. It's it's an homage to Ronald Reagan.
0: Yeah, they wanted actually Ronald yeah, Reagan to play. They the wanted role. Reagan
1: to play, which I don't know how you do with that, but they wanted Reagan to play it, and he obviously said no, but they make his look, like they gave him like his face, like certain like freckles and stuff like that, and certain wrinkles look like Reagan. So if you watch that and you see Prune face, like, hey, yeah, he looks like Ronald Reagan, that's on purpose. Right. Uh, but I think I would like it toned back just a little bit, maybe like 60% of what they have. That's all. But I think it would work, I you know. Did you know that Sean Young was in this movie?
0: I thought she uh, she was, she was she playing Tess Trueheart. Right. And she got cut after she, like a couple weeks. Yeah, fired. Yeah. so She got fired after a few days by Beatty. And then she accused
1: Beatty of firing her because she wouldn't sleep with him. And then Cosmo's mom, I guess, who was, she's always on set, mm-hmm. said that the rumor was that she was just too demanding and she, you know, and they decided they didn't want to put up with it anymore. And he, and Beatty is, she because. Issued a statement saying, "I made a mistake casting her in the part, and I felt really badly about it." But you know, so
0: it's tough because she's got a history of being difficult. When I, she but does, Beatty but, has a history of betting a thousand
1: actresses, so it's tough. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can, I can understand that. Oh, Warren Beatty, you, <laughs> you hound dog! You. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even talked about Dick Van Dyke. I said he was in it, but he, uh, he plays the the corrupt DA. Mm-hmm. He broke his shoulder. When he got shot so when the blank shoots him and he falls back it's only taking the head because he broke his shoulder when he did that it's like ouch ouch
0: yeah i like the uh when he's shooting and they're in the shootout with dick tracy when he's shooting the uh the police cars as they drive by oh there's the close-up with the explosion of the police car yeah i guess he didn't know the car wasn't supposed to explode that close to him and he didn't even notice because the gun was so loud that he didn't even notice the explosion behind him, and they were like, "What are you all right? He's like, "What?" what? <laughs> <laughs> so that's the that's the one take they used too, because well, that's a great shot, yeah. But he didn't even know that. Yeah, he shouldn't have been that close. He
1: definitely looks the part. He's definitely. They were going to give him like a
0: prosthetic nose, which was stupid, and they decided it didn't yeah, look as good. No, yeah,
1: but he's definitely like the the opening scene when he's in the hallway with the shadow. He's in the his door hallway, and you see him with the outfit. He looks pretty perfect. He's perfectly cast.
0: Oh, for sure. That's yeah.
1: great, uh, as Dick Tracy. There's not, you know, maybe my maybe my notes are picky or nit- nitpicky, but you know, I, I don't know. I'm also fifteen years no, thirty years removed from
0: seeing it. Holy cow! This movie's thirty years old, Butler. I know. <laughs> old, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love the way the film is little nineteen thirties and forties and comic book things they do in terms of cinematography as well. I love the shadows of Dick Tracy mm-hmm. when he's sneaking in to the warehouse when his uh, was it the police chief. No, it's his. No, is the, the guy the, with the, the idiot who spilled the coffee when he the was guy? Listening. Yeah, the yeah. listening guy. He's he's getting cemented. Yeah, and you have Dick Tracy moving from box to box, hiding in the warehouse. You see his shadow is far away from him as he's moving, which is clearly another actor probably against another light yeah. mimicking his moves. But I thought that looked really cool. They do and Really again. well when done. Fight somebody. He punches somebody and then he shows up. They do that. Again.
1: Oh, they do that at the mm-hmm. end. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's really cool. Uh, did you notice that the face was like the, the blank sounds a lot like princess Leia yeah. as the bounty hunter. Yeah. All, I, was, all. <laughs> I was waiting for, uh, for <laughs> her to say that uh, Warren Beatty had, uh, was recovering from cryo-sleep sickness. <laughs> you are recovering from hibernation sickness. What? <laughs> <laughs> At first, because I haven't seen this movie in forever, I thought that might have been The Shadow. I was like, oh, are they doing like a crossover thing? Yeah, very similar to The Shadow. The
1: Shadow is 94, so it's same pulpy kind of like Nick Tracy's a comic strip, but. And it's pulpy comic. Right. Yeah. Same, same style. In fact, I wouldn't I'd be okay with if that's the kind of tone you use for Dick Tracy if you do another one, the shadow kind of dark underbelly tone, more you know what I mean? A like, little more noir. Less schlocky, not schlocky, less comic animated strippy and more pulpy. I think that would work really well for Dick Tracy, a shadow like.
0: Well, I know they wanted to do the team-up film with Dick Tracy, the shadow, Phantom, and one other character from the pulp radio shows
1: mm, little, uh, little world building.
0: That's what they, yeah, that's what they want to do because I believe Dick Tracy is rights free, Ooh. but obviously Warren Beatty can't do his version because his version is not, his version is literally a sequel to the film. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be tough. Yeah. But I believe all of those classic characters are rights free, but it might be a situation like Sherlock Holmes where, you know, all those right. last two ones are not, but everything else is. Yeah. Break. So you might be able to only use, you know, half the, uh, of his rogues gallery or something like that. <laughs> Big boy slaps a lot of dames in this movie. He but slaps like, breathless like four times. Really like less hard, but more just being annoying, more yeah. just like demeaning. More like that wasn't the
1: intent. And then, you know, like, <laughs> I just, I thought I'd hit you in that scene. I thought that'd be okay.
0: Is it right if I hit you? Yeah. All right. All right and he right, like right. maybe felt bad about it. So he just <laughs> slow slaps when she
1: has that line, which is another good line, but. You know, it's, it's unfortunate she's like, you don't know whether you want to hit me or kiss
0: me. I get that a lot. I mean, it's a nice line, but then I'm thinking, geez. Yeah. She's clearly been abused a bunch. Oh. Like a lot of her lines are like, mm. Yeah. The one line that kind of grossed me out is when uh, she's at the other side of the door and he's waiting for Tess to bring back ice cream. And he goes, what kind of ice cream do you get? And then at the other side of the door, she goes, peach. But you might want to hurry up. It's starting to run a little. And I was like, <laughs> oh, no, come on. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love the uh, the montage, though, when he's starting to shut down all the big boy stuff when the microphone's working at first. Yeah. And you see, like, him popping out from behind a counter going like, ha, we're behind the two pieces of meat. It's just so stupid. It's so... And when he punches 10 dudes. Oh, yeah. It's so old school, like 1940s, that it's just, like, so cheesy. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty good.
1: Well, that's like the back in business montage. It's the same thing.
0: Right. I wouldn't mind him. Like, obviously, he fights big boy, but big boy... Wouldn't you don't think big boy should put up as much of a fight as he does against Dick Tracy? Well, Big Boy has this weird idea that Tracy's gonna join him. I want you to join me. Like Yeah, he never wants to kill him. Yeah,
1: I don't get that.
0: Come on. I'll deal with Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy is mine to deal with.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's still like are they brothers or something that we don't know about? Yeah, that'd be interesting, but I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I
1: didn't get that. I didn't get that.
0: Do you like the kid and that storyline? <sighs> I don't mind
1: him. I don't I don't hate it. It's fine. I mean, you you know he's gonna end up with him at the end, or end up with Tess. Now, I don't I don't mind the kid stuff. The kid's fine. Why you don't like it? No, I really like it.
0: Yeah, I don't because again, I the only thing I think I told you in the last episode, the only thing I remembered was the way the villains looked. Right. So when I'm watching it this time, I I forgot all about. I didn't remember anything about the kid stuff, and I really enjoyed that it was this family dynamic and them trying to build a family and the kid kind of becoming his son because that's the kind of thing you'd maybe make in the fifth movie. Let's give him the kid, and now, <laughs> now it's like let's show this. More emotional side to Dick Tracy, yeah. and I enjoy that they put that in there because a lot of these characters, like Batman, like the Shadow, you never give them feelings mm-hmm. other than the job. And I like that Dick Tracy had this this family unit he was trying to stick together, and I like his emotional moment with the kid when he hands him the certificate at the end with his name on it, Dick Tracy right. Jr. in the
1: prison and, and the jail.
0: Yeah, and it's almost like Warren Beatty as uh as Dick Tracy is holding back crying mm-hmm. and that's a very delicate personal moment in a film where these kind of heroes never show that kind of side to them so I really I really enjoyed that I thought it was a really good moment
1: Bertels well, has a couple scenes like that too where she's in kind of the emotion uh, like when they're at the docks but speaking of that so at the docks when he's again trying to tell her I want you to she's like you want me he's like I do want you
0: to testify, to testify yeah, yeah. yeah
1: when they go to the one of him she completely blocks his face. Like Mm -hmm. here, like you can't even see his mouth. You can't even (laughs) see his nose. And I'm sitting there going, you didn't have another shot. You, you, you couldn't move to another shot. What is this? I can't, what is, move, move I did a hundred takes and they were
0: all her in the head. It was so
1: frustrating. I'm like, I can't believe this is the shot we've accepted here. I can't (laughs) believe that this is the shot you landed on. I want, I don't want
0: me, I want me covered. I don't, it was so, what are we doing here? I bet he didn't do a hundred takes for Dick Tracy. I bet it was too expensive into studio. I'm done. Perfect. Oh, you mean like a total? I think they probably were like, you can do 30 shots. Well, they had to do,
1: <laughs> I have that note. He had to stay, they agreed to do it, but he had to stay under budget. He still went over a little bit, but he had to, if he went over, he was going to have to pay for it.
0: So that's so, why. Was that in there? It okay. was, yeah.
1: So I guess they already knew his penchant for, you know, going too long.
0: Right. Well, one of the things I really like about this is the animated backdrops. Well, the pa- they're, they're painted. They're yeah. painted. Yeah. I think they're really cool. I love the shot when he's beaten up. Um, he's got a name. The homeless guy. The uh, the guy that. Oh,
1: the. Tr- uh,
0: the tramp or. Something. The tramp. Yeah. because yeah, they,
1: they, they. They had to pull his action figure. Yeah. Because
0: yeah. it was made homeless people look bad. And they took away breathless action figure as well because well they the took face, away the no face the no face because, because it took away our face you, and it was breathless right
1: it had the mask on you take it off it was breathless like so but like I said I take it off the shelves but go ahead what were you gonna say uh,
0: I guess that Warren Beatty didn't want any kind of panning of the set because he didn't want people to realize it was a drawn set
1: you can't move yeah he you couldn't move the camera that much
0: who's not knowing that that's a drawn set though <laughs> like that's what I hated I hate when I read that note I was like really. Do you think people are looking at the cityscape and going, oh, that's real. Look at that. Look at that. What city is that? I want to go there. It's like, no, dude, that's animated. Everybody knows that's animated. <laughs> Pan the camera. Who cares? So, I was like, what? Come on. <laughs>
1: when he beats up this, his father's
0: kid, your old man. Shut up. <laughs> Jeez. All right. What are we eating? What are we eating? Yeah. What well, are we eating? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> the other thing, I really like the uh, steam uh, when the steam engine starts going off. And everything's shaking when, when, the, oh, at the when bottom.
1: he's, in, the, when he's tr- in Tess's apartment.
0: Yeah. And they're in the, I guess the boiler room, boiler, that's what it is. Right. Right. And the boiler starts shaking. I thought that scene was really well done. And well, I thought the camera that was shaking. Yeah. The camera shaking. No, the machine shaking too. Cause oh, it's right, coming right, off right, the hinges. Right, right. Yep. Yep. I yep. thought that was a really cool look to it. I thought the scene was, I like the juxtaposition between the action happening in this very light or bright basement where you usually get like dim and dark kind of a scene. And it's very bright. And I thought the intensity was there because of the steam and the way the sound was all going. I thought that was a really good scene.
1: No, it's, all it's, it's yeah. I am still sitting here trying to figure out if, if I like, I, I do like this movie, but I'm trying to sit here and figure out if I like it as much as I did when I first saw it, or it's taken a hit for me. Cause I've just been so far away from it. I don't know.
0: Field. Where's your pride? Where's your destiny?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I just, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out if, if it's, if it's something that, like, I like, but I liked Pacino in it quite a bit, even though he's just hamming it up like nobody's business. How much you
0: weigh? Uh, 190, 196, something like that. Uh, how much? 210. <laughs> <laughs> I like Mandy Patinkin's laugh. <laughs>
1: and I, I don't know. I just, I didn't get, I just, I don't know. But I think maybe my problem is just story. A lot of stuff didn't make sense to me. The acting's great. The acting,
0: they say I kidnapped you. I didn't kidnap you. I'm kidnapping you now. It's a federal offense.
1: Oh, it's a federal offense. I could get you on a bunch of other stuff. It doesn't matter if it's a federal offense. <laughs> All right, okay. Uh,
0: I I really like this movie. I
1: I. I, I mean, me I too.
0: thought maybe I'd think it was schlocky and kind of lame, but uh, as I'm watching I go, I, I think I want to buy this on Blu-ray. Is it on Blu-ray? It's got to be. Mm. Maybe. I don't know. Um, this says
1: over ownership rights in the 1930s comic strip Dick Tracy ruling in Beatty's favor. Beatty bought the film and television rights to the square jarred yellow fedora wearing private detective from the Tribune Company in 1985. OK, so he owns it. He owns the TV and movie rights for Dick Tracy. So I guess he. I, I mean, I guess it's wherever he wants
0: to put it then. I
1: guess came out uh, eight years ago. It's uh yeah, it's on Blu-ray. It's about time for a uh, Steelbook re-release, I think. <laughs> <laughs> the two-disc set, Butler. Ooh. You can buy it on Amazon for $32. Looks mm-hmm. good, though. Maybe. Blu-ray and digital copy, Butler.
0: Ooh. I never use my digital copy.
1: Oh, wait a minute. That's from the Amazon Marketplace. I don't know where you can get it. I'm at blu-ray.com. But anyways, yeah. So would you recommend this to... Because this is 30 years old. So you think this movie would play for somebody who is like me when I saw it at 15? You really think it would really make enough? Have enough? Would it? Because instantly, it's going to get compared to Sin City. And what's the other one they did that's not not the sequel to Sin City? Yeah, the sequel to Sin City. Did it
0: Sin City. They did. All
1: Rodriguez's movies now are kind of like this now. Sharko and Lava, Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Their new one now. We Are Heroes. They're they're all like on. They're all massively digital. Honestly.
0: Oh, massively. And in terms of that, yeah. yeah. But also, there was that one that didn't really do well.
1: It wasn't Sin City. It was
0: Samuel Jackson's
1: in it. Yeah. But anyways, those are more stylistically closer to Dick Tracy. Do you think if I I told some 18-year-old, hey, you should watch Dick Tracy,
0: that they're going to just crap on it because it's not what Sin City was? It's very different. It's very cheesy. It's very just comic strippy. And Sin City might have that same style, but Sin City is also very adult, very graphic. Right. I think Dick Tracy, if you showed somebody who was interested in film Dick Tracy... I think they'd really appreciate a lot of it because of the colors, the use of the sets, the practical stuff, the makeup effects, the acting Al Pacino. uh, It's all very, very well done, all very slick, all very stylish, all in camera. Like this is what you can do in camera without relying on CGI. An 18 year old, I don't think would like it. A kid would like it and someone in their 20s would like it. But I think once you're a teenager, I think you're going to think it's lame. I think you got to get out of that this is lame mindset first. <laughs> and when you start to appreciate stuff again, when you start to stop just being like, it doesn't have enough like boobs or blood or swearing and stuff like that. You know, that's kind of, that's, that's kind of what teenagers going to look for in a movie like that because of Sin City and because of some of these other more, like if it's pulpy, it's going to be more adult and graphic now. I think that's kind of what they're expecting. Okay. I'm watching this now and I'm watching this going, I love this. This movie's awesome. And my parents always had the VHS and I never watched it as a kid other than the one time. And I kind of regret that now.
1: I think it's got a lot of stuff going on where it would keep somebody, keep a young boy interested or a young girl interested in, in this movie. I mean, it's a PG movie, so you're showing it to your tweens.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think maybe it would slow down for the Breathless Mahoney stuff, you know, just kind of like when she's trying to seduce him. To a mo- yeah, it's- I-, I think they would just get bored. I don't think they don't, they, you know. Maybe the older boys would be like, ooh, but I think they would just get bored.
0: And they're just liking the dresses, they yeah. They want the
1: action. They want the fighting and all that stuff and the montages, and that would work.
0: And the monster people.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would work too. So, I was looking at the Blu-ray stuff. So, you can actually get the DVD. The single Blu-ray is 10 bucks on Amazon. But if you want the Blu-ray and digital copy, it's $111. I don't
0: need the digital copy that much. Yeah,
1: well, give me a break. Give me a break. Uh, anyways. So, you know, I, uh, I do like the movie, but like if somebody came at me and was like, oh, this is, I'm like, "I'm like, okay, it's just, I think it's a movie where if you don't like it, it's just not your cup of tea kind of thing. So I can respect that.
0: Is this not your cup of tea?
1: No, it is. I'm saying, okay. I'm saying like just some movies, like when we talk about Thief, which was 10 weeks ago, and I'm just saying that because it was what we just got released. Right. If somebody says to me, oh, I didn't like Thief, I'd be like, look, it's a good movie. You may, maybe it didn't. Re- I, you know, I mean, I would make that point. Right. It's that it's a really good movie and, and it's,
0: you may be, okay, I get it. You Objectively. Like it. You should notice that. that right. great this about it, Right. This movie,
1: if someone says I didn't like Dick Tracy, I think more goes to the fact that you just didn't like its style. And I can't argue against that because it is very stylish. Right. You know, like Sin City, like someone doesn't like Sin City. I get why they wouldn't like it. Cause, because it's just, I don't like that. I don't like how, fake it is or something like that. right like, you know what i mean like it's just that's more of a stylistic choice that they didn't relate to and i can't argue that point with them because that, that okay i get that right but the movie like thief or movie like godfather part one like those are just classic films and it's like those are really good movies so i think that's what i'm trying to say belaboring that point apologies
0: so have you figured out if you like this movie no i now? do i
1: said i like this movie <laughs> i'm just saying that i don't it's not a movie that i would I'm not going to die in the mountain for if somebody's <laughs> like, this movie sucks, I hate this, I hate that. And I'd be like, oh, I think that's all right. Oh, well, I would to See you later. Like that kind of thing.
0: Do you think you'd like it better? Or do you think it would be more, do you think people wouldn't have forgotten about it? I mean, even Al Pacino says it's forgotten. Yeah. Yeah, no. It, it, <laughs> listen, now, <laughs> was, if you want to come on this show here and talk about it, we're more than willing to have you. Oh, yeah. He said like, you know, he, it was a, one of his favorite roles. He yeah. had a blast doing it, but unfortunately, it just kind, it of, just kind of faded yeah, away. Yeah, no. Uh, do you think that it maybe would have more staying power if we got that two-hour and fifteen-minute version? I mean, it's not a, that's not a terribly long movie. I'm surprised that they really were like you got to cut it.
1: Well, here's the thing, also. So this movie, even though this movie's thirty years ago, mm-hmm. you have Warren Beatty, Al Pacino, uh, James Caan. You have all these movies. You have all these Dustin Hoffman. All these, oh, all
0: these big stars, but
1: they're older actors at the time they're not they were big in the 70s and 80s and this so this movie pops up in 1990 and the and you have a whole new slate of new actors and new movies because you talk about how total recalls out with schwarzenegger and dire two's out this week with with uh Bruce Bruce willis right the same month like you have all these eddie murphy another 40 hours i think you have a point where when this movie came out there was a shift in kind of the popularity of the actors and actresses in terms of younger audience, you know, new actors, new people, the, the you know, Beatty, and they're kind of towards the tail end where they're transitioning to where they're no longer gonna be leads, they're transitioning to more supporting actor roles. And I think right. maybe that probably affected its staying power. Like it did the money because you it did the money from all the people that remember them from the 70s and 80s. And I'm not saying their careers ended after this. I'm just saying that there's a transition, right, with you know how they're perceived in terms of right. what you see on screen. I think that has to do with its staying power. That's probably why it didn't, it really just kind of got forgotten. So you got to figure out the 90s are just like when all these new, like True Lies I talked about with Schwarzenegger, you have uh, The Matrix, you have the Die Hard. You have all these new new people that coming out, like no one's going to remember Al Pacino and Warren Beatty in a 1990 movie in, you know, eight, six, 10, 15 years later. It's not really going to be somebody people want to consume anymore.
0: So do you think Warren Beatty should have stopped casting every single one of his friends and tried to get at least one younger actor in there. No, I th- hey, why, why should he care? He, he's doing a movie. It made its money.
1: It it was right. It, yeah. made, it was a big hit. It was a hit. It's just, it wasn't a hit that has staying power because their I hate to say this, but their stars were fading at this point. Mm-hmm. And just in terms of the long run, in terms of just their, like you can look back and when you watch, it, you're like, wow, this movie's, you know, it did a lot of business. Wow. Why, why is, why do people not talk about this anymore? And I think that has everything to do with kind of when it came out, who was in this movie, and the fact that people were already moving on to all this new stuff that was coming out. Right. And new actors and hot directors and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And just, I think that that kind of
0: affected Dick Tracy's staying power moving forward. That's all. I also noticed while we're doing this podcast, I'm realizing that you know there's there were no people of color in this movie. Oh obviously. It's all a bunch of old white More guys. Or baby's friends. Yeah. So I think that may have maybe affected it too, because you have a whole audience probably that's not watching yeah, that don't care about try, the right. Yeah, no, yeah.
1: absolutely. You probably, you know, I don't need to see this, I don't care. Yeah. You, you know, there's a bunch of old Yeah, no, I got that. I get that. Not that, that mm, that's extremely valid, you know, but it is what it is, you know. Yeah. Well, since this is the end of the season, okay, we usually like to let everyone know what we're up to outside of. Ooh. I can't even remember where I what I said we were doing. Do we do this in the first episode? No, we just do it every end of
0: the season. We usually do it at the end. Yeah. I have
1: no idea what I said at the end of season six. I don't know what, what I said up I was doing.
0: I yeah. you do it, I'll, I'll say what you're down, doing yeah. now.
1: <laughs> so I know that I talked about that I have done a short film that's actually finished so that is finished and wrapped and very soon we're going to hopefully be have we're going to submit it to some festivals but it's a horror short so we're not really I'm not really blanketing the festival circuit and I quite honestly don't really put a lot of stock and weight into festivals in terms of them going anywhere it's a nice networking thing and it's a nice thing to do and it's obviously in the middle of a pandemic it's a little bit easier to kind of get a virtual showing so we'll see how we do so I'm kind of earmarking uh, horror movie festivals, but I'm not going to hear of anything about it until 2021. So at that point, so I'm submitting, probably do like a little virtual rap party for cast and crew, kind of show it, talk about it. I'm I'm sure it's at the time you've already listened to this episode, we've already done this. So, and then there's been talk about doing another. So we're kind of, you know, circling some possible stories and whatnot. The name of the short film is uh, No Parabo, which is, uh, it's a, Japanese folklore, a yokai, as they say. And it's just about, it's a faceless woman. Oh, like no face, like the blank. So, um, yeah, so it's like an eight minute short. Uh, And then I'm writing, I've been writing. I went back to another script and just kind of like fleshing out to be a feature. Obviously, I've been working on a couple short stories in the book. So, you know, just kind of keeping busy. You know how it is, Butler. And, you know, that's it. That's all I got. Word. What do you got?
0: I've got two other podcasts. Are you going to do the podcast thing? Well, yeah, that's Uh, that's what I do. Okay, fine. I also have yet another MCU podcast, so there's that. Nice. That's a great plug. I'm sorry. (laughs) I've got two other podcasts to do. I crack one open with Mike and Elise, a podcast to do with my fiance, Elise, where we talk about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. Join us every Friday where we crack open a craft beer or other kind of boozy drink. We talk about the brewery it was made in, the history of the brew, uh, what goes in it, and then our tasting notes. So if you're interested in how beer or cocktails are made. Join us uh every Friday and you get a little bit of a history lesson as well as our tasting notes and our opinion on the thing. Sometimes we actually interview the brewers and, you know, owners of these different distilleries and breweries, so that's pretty cool. I've also got Two Player Bros, a podcast with my buddy Dave where we're two guys who play way too many video games. Join us every Thursday where we talk about the latest in PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo, PC, VR news. We have it all, we play it all. Uh join us every other week for Post Game presented by Two Player Bros where we take a deep dive into a modern classic or new release and talk about our Thoughts on Gameplay and Story. Both of those are available at ForgottenEntertainment.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I also do a bunch of audiobooks, so check those out. I've got Coffee at Midnight, Sour, Progressive Entrapment, the Final Girl, Vacation Planet, Switch, Art Fraud, and Gangsters—they're all very different books. Some of them I do accents in, so check those out. And I guess I'll do it a little bit better. I have
1: another podcast; is yet another MCU podcast. We talk about Marvel movies with my buddy Pat Whalen. I, at this point, when you're when you're listening to this, I will say that that is a limited run. We are actually wrapping that up towards the first week of March, so it's we're only doing the Infinity Saga. And then maybe we'll pop on a little more after that. But uh, yeah, so that's yet another MCU podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. I do not do narration. I do not do voiceover work. So you don't have to worry about finding me uh, <laughs> any work there. So us next week, as we start <laughs> off season eight, where we're going to be covering the 1996 movie, Beautiful Girls, starring Timothy Hutton. Uh, who else is in this? Natalie Portman, Matt Dillon, uh, Michael Rappaport, Mira Vino. Rosie O'Donnell, wow, I can't remember name, remember all these people, directed by Ted Demi. Mike has never seen this movie. Nope. As it is a mid 90s movie, I have definitely seen it. So, and I don't know when the last time I saw it, that might be a movie that I have not seen this century as well. <laughs> but uh, that's next week, season eight starts. Beautiful Girls. Until then, I am Mike Field. And I'm Mike Butler. This has been Forgotten Cinema.
0: You want to give me some Pacino for the end credits? (laughs) Everything he owns, I own. It only works if we work together. If we stick, nope. Let him go. Let him go. Maybe he'll change his mind. That's all I got.